0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Swedish-British journalist, filmmaker, political writer, and author of five books, Helen Nuroth taylor on today's News Talk, TNT.
1: Yes, hello. Hello. Um... We're going to talk about questions of war and peace today as well. Uh, Don't say we shy away from the controversial subjects. Um, The headline in uh, Britain's main conservative newspapers hit you like a smack in the face this morning. War is coming was the big headline, and it was written by the um, paper's defence commentator who's very close to the intelligence services, Con Coughlin. His nickname is Neo Con Coughlin because he never saw a war he didn't like. I mean, I think these kinds of headlines are extremely irresponsible uh, because what they do is they're not so much warning for a war, but but creating the conditions which might make war inevitable. And uh, a few years ago, I, was, I wrote a book about the origins of the First World War, which was then an astru- abstruse subject. Um, you know, who cares what happened hundred years ago? But what we what I found was that uh, the conditions for the war did not arise out of nowhere, but uh, the kindling which was piled up before the fire was set alight by the assassination in Sarajevo in uh, June 1914. The kindling was provided by endless newspaper headlines about the German threat and less frequently about the, the British threat. But the, the British tabloid press were really a very great engine for hostility. And the uh, French were not far behind and the Russians a bit cooler. But uh i think in the public mind the war is still sort of blamed on germany but uh the the uh, the F- fleet street the yellow press uh, led by some uh, derangedly pro-war people uh were very active in creating the conditions because of course the german diplomats read what the british press was saying and acted on that thinking that was reality rather than uh, they couldn't distinguish between the the, the what the journalists were saying and to what extent they were actually reflecting what was going on in whitehall and similarly we don't we don't know if khan is speaking for himself if he's speaking for some disaffected agents inside whitehall for the whole nato establishment or for the government if he's flying a kite and that, that kind of uncertainty is fatal because it causes the other side to escalate and then the other we escalate again and so on and i i have a um the, a view of this whole ukraine conflict which differs from what you see in the mainstream media i think that there were very good conditions for a peace to be made in april 2022 uh and uh Arist- alexei aristovich i think he was zelensky's chief advisor now sitting in exile in in new york i think and is kind of dropping all these truth bombs and he's a very very bright man and i think he gives various um uh, YouTube interviews we should have him on actually um, he speaks perfect English and uh, he uh, says that uh, actually that deal I think he was part of the negotiating team or part very close to it was actually very good you know it was very very generous and why not why not um, but anyway I mean what happened in April 22 was that Boris Johnson said then British Prime Minister is playing his Churchillian act saying well we have to have uh, we, we we have to confront evil and authoritarianism uh but i think what the, the the sunak his successor is far less uh, warlike his his main interest seems to be domestic reform and making the british a more competitive nation especially now that prices have gone up in part due to the shut off of gas from russia um what we're seeing in britain though is is this a little bit more pushback from the from the government um and uh, the, the Britain said that um, the British government Downing Street spokesman said yesterday, I think, or the day before, he denied that Britain is getting ready for war and is having to mobilise or, or create a conscription system. Interestingly, I spoke a few days ago about what's going on in Sweden and there, this supposedly pacifist country, the government is much more aligned with what the military are saying and doing. And... Uh, There's uh, various reactions to the sort of uh, uh, imminent warnings of a global war that's coming from the Swedish state media. Uh, Some people are treating it as a gigantic joke and other people are stocking up on batteries, on uh, noodles and all the rest of it. And it's true that if you work for a state corporation or, or the civil service, you are getting sort of ominous warnings and it, uh, it depends on where you are as it were you 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 have to go for drills and the same sort of uh, very focused propaganda that was spent on bringing immigrants to sweden a few years ago that machine if you, that machine of propaganda and persuasion is now devoted to to creating the conditions for uh, mobilization for a possible conflict in sweden which is going to be on the front line of any future war now it sort of brings me on to my next, my first guest called Arno Vellens, because uh, apart from propaganda, we can have compulsion and compulsion through digital currency. Uh, we have uh, He's an expert in economics. We had a pre-interview uh, recently, and he told me the extent to which what is being trialed in Netherlands is a control mechanism of uh, a new digital currency, which in the brochures and the Barfitts talks about preventing alcoholics from going to wine shops and only spending their benefits on, on healthy foods. But of course it can be used for anything. So if you, if you're making a program like this or a war anti-war protester, you might find that your credit card doesn't work when you, you, you next go to, to your, uh, to, to the restaurant, you know? Um, so, uh, I, I'm very delighted to welcome Arno Vellens, who's a specialist expert, a brilliant guy, after the break, this is TNT Radio. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society
0: and I am fed up with it. Today's news talk radio, TNT.
1: In our pre-interview, Arno, you offered that kind of brilliant world explaining uh, synthesis of what's going on in the world, which I love. Could you tell us what, what is it, what's going on in the Netherlands with regard to this digital currency? Tell us from the beginning. You've got plenty of time
0: okay. Uh, yes, I was going to ask you uh, the, the, the version of it because there's obviously several versions. Uh, central Bank Digital Currency, CBC, the reason to implement it in the European Union, uh, henceforth the Netherlands, it is mainly driven uh, by, uh, by the central banks. And the central banks in Europe, they have a, a huge problem because we are in a currency situation. We have a currency union that can't exist, that shouldn't exist. Because if you look at other countries, I checked it for Australia, for example, or the United States, if you have several states with the same currency, they need to support each other because you can have an adverse shock in one region and not in the other. And if, if you're in a currency union, you don't have the uh, the tools, I was going to say military tools, but I mean monetary tools um, to, to fight inflation or unemployment, etc. For example, you can't devalue your currency like the Italian lira if that currency doesn't exist anymore uh, and in the United States it's very simple very reasonable that the richest states they pay up to 10 percent of their annual income to the Union and that's why you have a United States or a federal state of Australia etc but in in Europe it doesn't work like that because we don't want to pay <laughs> especially the uh, Dutch.
1: just on a, let's just to start. I just realised. I make a quick calculation. Uh, that if the euro cu- currency was introduced in two thousand two, that's a whole generation of people under forty who don't who don't know that another currency than the than the euro. So, what was the situation yes. before ninety seven? I mean, we had national currencies. What wh- what was Europe's economy like? Tell us tell us about the the things that you could do, the flexibilities we had then that we don't have now. Oh,
0: it's. Oh, it's, a, it's a very simple example that there's other writers who've noticed this as well. What would happen um, if you were, were to go to France every year as a child I did it with my parents for example uh, on holiday, what you'd notice is that there' strikes in France. French people are really different from the Dutch. They will they won't ac- accept anything that they are much more likely to go on a strike, uh, demonstrate etc. So if you go to France, lovely country you see all these demonstrations and they were asking for wage hikes. And in the end, they got it. <laughs> uh, the problem is that it, that would make goods from France, like cars, Peugeot, Citroen cars, would make it much more expensive. As as a result, demand for those goods would decline, and hence the the value of the French currency would decline. So, in, in one year, you go to the to France, you have one guilder in your pocket, and you can trade it for 30 francs, um, and you come back the next year, <laughs> and for one guilder, you get 33 francs. So the, the value of the of French goods have gone down. However, expressed in fri- francs, <laughs> goods have become more expensive. So you so, see so these to, currencies move to the... Uh, to compensate for strikes,
1: you have... Uh, yes. The economy adjusts itself to compensate for the strikes. Higher wages, but it go, the currency goes down, so foreigners can still afford French goods, and France doesn't become exactly. uncompetitive. Exactly, yeah.
0: and, and now they've removed these all these local currencies, also in Italy, Spain, Portugal. But these people keep on striking, I love it, by the way, but but that's what they do. So their economy becomes uncompetitive, and as a result, they go into debt. Because if you're if you have an uncompetitive economy with respect to your currency, uh, you you won't sell enough goods, but you keep on importing, so you you're piling up debt. So these countries are drowning in debt, and then you eventually you'll you have an economic problem as a central bank, because uh, if all these countries have this massive amounts of debt. And they can't possibly repay it, and we all know it. Um, and you have a next recession, and in a recession, uh, uh, or excuse me, if you have an inflationary spike, you need to adjust interest rates. So if interest rates go up, so, so if inflation goes up, you have to increase the interest rates to fight inflation. But you can't do that in the euro in the eurozone because then all these weaker nations they would immediately collapse. Uh, Spain and uh, Italy they're used to borrowing to one or two percent if you say well with your budget deficits you, you don't have to borrow at one or two percent but at five or six or seven or ten percent they will go right. bankrupt immediately and right. th- and that's the problem that's the reason why you need CBC
1: so you can't you've got a ceiling on uh, interest rates in the European Central Bank but you can go yes. down and that's that's the problem that you you highlight you want to highlight
0: yes because if if you have uh, after a spike like that, You'll usually get a a recession, uh, which happened in 2008 and also during the corona pandemic. Uh, What central banks will want to do is decrease the interest rates. And that will give a stimulus to to the economy because it will be more easy for you to borrow money to buy a house, uh, hire a construction firm or whatever. You get more economic uh, activity. Uh, which is the opposite of preventing inflation, by the way. It is either or. You can't fight them both, unemployment and inflation. The problem is what the European Central Bank found out, and they're very open about this, is that if you have been stimulating for some time, but you can't stimulate all the way. I mean, it's like drinking a beer every hour for three three or four days in a row. You can't do that. You can do that for an hour or a night, and then you should stop or whatever, but you can't keep on stimulating forever and forever. We've been stimulating now for 15 years. And at a certain point in time, your uh, interest rate hits zero. You literally have zero interest rates. Even more so, you have negative interest rates. In 2019, I received a letter from from my bank, I still got it. And it says, well, you know, Arno, uh, you have a positive balance, but we're going to charge you negative interest rates. So you have to pay five euro. And this five euro for me isn't a reason to withdraw all my money from the bank, go to the ATM. Because if you don't so want to experience interrupt. negative interest rates...
1: So n- negative interest rates mean basically you're paying money to the bank to keep your money in the bank, and no one wants that, do they? I mean, it's it's kind of theft, isn't it? Yeah, we carry on. Yeah.
0: Basically it is, because if you're very honest about it, banks, they need to do this because this European Central Bank, the Central Bank decides on what these interest rates are. And if the bank uh, charges me negative interest rates, They will have to pay that amount of money to the European Central Bank and they can spend it. It is actual income. It is monetary income. But you have no control over what a central bank does because there's a distance between them and politics and it has been done so for a reason. But they they need to have a small mandate. We're only going to do this and this and that makes us politically uh, uh, independent. Well, then you shouldn't be charging taxes because that's what it is. But the Mm. problem is, uh, what they found out is that Possibly if you go from, let's say, 0% inter- interest to 5%, then people may want to leave actually leave their bank and b- withdraw all their money in cash. Uh, and then the stimulus from the central bank doesn't work, and it's called monetary policy transmission. That's the word that economists use for this. And it doesn't work because rather than, um, than, than suffering under these negative interest rates and going spending, because that's what they want you to do, rather than that, you'll just withdraw your funds. And if you want to prevent that, you should abolish cash.
1: Right. So what? what just to summarize, what you're saying is that uh, in a recession, central banks want to s- stimulate spending. So we give each other jobs by, by spending more money. Yes. And they're prepared to do that by having negative interest rates, which means that you're going to spend rather than keep your savings in a bank, because then you pay, actually pay into the bank to keep your savings there. Yes. And the danger is, it, people won't spend as the banks want you to do to keep the economy up, but we'll take it out in cash from ATMs and keep it under the bed, as it were, rather than... Yes. pay. A, right, okay, carry on. So, so you get, so rid, of ATM. <laughs> yes, that, you get rid of the ATMs.
0: Yes, that's what's happening. You get rid of the And, and yeah, people so. who, who can find it difficult to believe, what you could do is uh, uh, take a look at the long-term interest rates. So go back 50, 60, 70 years or so, for example, in Germany. Uh, And what you can see that we are living in quite an extraordinary time because it used to be, uh, you used to have business cycles. So sometimes inflation is too high. Uh, Then the central bank will raise the interest rates to fight inflation. And after a while, well, the the central bank thought, well, right now we have to stimulate. So lower the interest rate. It goes both ways. However, after the credit crisis in 2008 and the, the euro sovereign debt crisis in 2010, uh, we had such high amounts of debt that you could never raise interest rates again. So you get the, the strange situation that you go, you can go down, but you can never go up. And at a certain point in time, you will hit zero inflation, sort of zero interest. And economists call it the zero lower bound problem. And it is a normal problem. If you talk about C B C people will almost automatically say, oh, but that's a conspiracy theory or whatever. No, no. It's called the zero lower bound with respect to monetary policy transmission. You can't go below zero if cash still exists, so you get right. rid of cash.
1: Right. So, because so so to avoid people taking their money out of ATMs and screwing up the beautiful plans of the central the, bankers, uh, you abolish yes, ATMs. Yes, monetary policy
0: transmission. Yes, that's it. Okay.
1: <laughs> you abolish ATMs and then it transition to digital currency, and that way yes. you can. Uh, Have these negative interest rates and force people to spend, but of course that introduces all these control issues. I mean, people are no no longer sovereign over their money. Can you can you move on to that subject now? And and
0: oh well, absolutely. Because if you think about it, yes, if you think about it, in order for this to work, uh, as they say, you have a there's two two solutions in terms of CBDC. So if you want to build a central bank digital currency, CBDC, um, you have two options and one option is what they call the token based solution and the easiest form for token based solution i've got it in my pocket i think you have something like that in australia as well and it is a public transport card. this is uh you can't pay with cash anymore if you want to take a train or a tram in the netherlands in amsterdam what you do you buy this card you charge it with let's say 50 euro it's almost it's like the same like the australian dollar but it one on one uh you charge it and now i can enter the, the tram i check in uh, but nobody sees where I have been. It's only in uh, in and out because it is an anon- anonymous card. If you come to Amsterdam, I can actually give this card to you. So this mm-hmm. is token-based. If I lose it, if I lose this card, I will also lose the value that's on it. Uh, right. If you would organize CBDC in such a way, uh, then uh, then my privacy would be respected because you can right. see that I charge my account or my card with 50 euro, but you don't know where, where, where I've been. As a journalist, right. I may want to talk to a police officer who tells me something about corruption or whatever. I mean, as a journalist needs to have a source, so I need to be able to travel around anonymously. The other option, however, is is an account-based system, as they call it. And in an account-based system, you don't have uh, a card that represents the value. It is literally like a Facebook account or a bank account where you uh, go online, you, you log in with your credentials, and uh, and there's all your, your spending in one nice summary. Central banks will obviously want the account-based version because if they want to charge you with negative interest rates in order for you to start spending, you can only charge interest rates if you know what somebody's balances, mm. And you don't know right. what my balance is in a privacy-respecting token-based system. So right, central right. banks have been very honest about this. Uh, look at the, the, the Bank of International Settlements, for example, 2021 annual report page uh, 83 they just say we want a token we want an account based uh, system however if you have an account based system that means and that there's no cash that it, it does alter your world and it does alter the relationship you might say the social contract between government and people because your privacy is gone completely you have this one app on your phone and we've seen it during during the pandemic that can also be used to shut down people's lives you literally have everything uh, about uh, all my personal details are within this one app on my phone because that's where you go. That's that's it's called a digital identity wallet. Hey. And in Could, Australia too, there's there's also people. Can, who can I just stop you
1: for a, for a second? Uh, well, we're actually, we're, we're a global channel, so I mean, we're, uh, it's re- we're it's a global audience, so. but. Um, uh, Sweden actually, Sweden for once got one thing right during the pandemic. It was very libertarian, had almost no restrictions. Okay, that was great. Nope. So, so we were, we had all our restaurants open and so on. But I, under, but I understand that in France and other countries, yeah, you couldn't travel and spend your card too far outside your zone of habitation. <laughs> because is that right? Or they? I don't know if they only talked about it for future use or if they didn't talk about
0: it. Uh, what happened is you had you had an app on your phone. And if you yeah. wanted to go to a bar, you need right. to show that you have been vaccinated. Right. Wow. And, and that, that actually and happened. And that concept, yes, it yeah. really happened. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and that's the concept of the self-sovereign identity. And right. that's what we need to think about. And it is it is not just a convenient app. Oh, look at me. I have this convenient app on my phone. Nay, nee, it completely changes the way that uh, you and your, your government interact. And it also creates tremendous Fraud and crime risks. If you think about it, because what you need to do is, uh, if you look at Arno Wellens, for example, that's me. Um, I have, I'm a self-sovereign identity with attributes, as they call it. And an attribute might be, have I been vaccinated or not? And th- this data, these data, are located in one space, uh, at my local hospital, for example. And the local community, the city of Amsterdam, they uh, hand me out my passport. They know where I live, who I am. So that, that's another piece of information uh, of me on a certain computer, and there's also uh, my personal health file. Uh, and they want to trade where, uh, these data are worth money. That's where it all starts. That's why why they want to connect it. Well, if you want to create a digital passport or a di- digital version of Pella, what you actually need to do uh, is that you go to all these systems where data of you have been stored, and you add a unique identifier as scope. So, uh, if, a, if a certain company that, that deals in, in personal data, a research company that wants to make a new medicine, for example, uh, if they say, well, we only want people above 70 who are female, obviously not the both of us, but let's say, uh, and we want to have their medical health records, and we want to respect the privacy, we don't want to know their names, we just want all the women above 70. Then the local community, the city of Amsterdam can say, oh, well, well I have a list for you with these unique identifiers, your social security number, and we match that with the, with data from the from the electronic health record system, and that's how you get your data. So in order for this system to work, and also your bank account, so all these systems are connected with each other, uh, and that means that your government has one picture of you. Where, uh, they literally know everything about you, from your health problems yeah. to your mental health state, to to your expenditures and 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 hackers can
1: use it can't they hackers can use that right so it's dangerous for national security reasons you you could say and it's an enormous and and what you you were sort of as a dutch journalist you were you've kind of been digging around because holland is a very advanced country very trusting country where people tend to trust government a bit like sweden actually and um uh, you you were sort of digging around and, and found that the, the Dutch government is almost seems to be going further than other European countries, almost as if uh, Holland is a, is a kind of guinea pig for this. And then yes. I don't know, you, they literally you, you, say so. Yes. You, and you created a, a a fuss. You're quite a famous journalist in in the Netherlands, and they kind of retracted it. And you you found it on on the Wayback Machine, which is this archive. Yes.
0: Yes. The internet yes, it forget, is, it never really forgets.
1: Tell us what yes, happened it is, there. It's really
0: strange. What, what happened is, is a number of things, actually. And, and now it becomes quite bizarre and a little bit dystopian. Uh, uh, what, what happened is I, I wrote several articles about it. Um, one thing that you should know, a little bit of background information. If you're pay uh, with if, if you with a local bank in, in, in the Netherlands, this is my bank card, for example. If you look closely, it has the Maestro uh, logo on it, which is Visa card and Mastercard. So... In the, in the 70s, these American companies, they laid down all the infrastructure for for, for banking uh, in the European Union, and now people say, well, we need CBDC because maybe uh, Trump will get back and uh, we'll end up with a fight with the Americans. Uh, problem is, if you have CBDC, which is issued by these same banks, you still use this American infrastructure. Now, mm-hmm. these European banks, uh, including Rabobank, my own bank, what they've been doing is They have set up a new system for instant payments between European countries on a new uh, 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 system with with new infrastructure. So these banks have literally made a system that makes us independent from the Americans. It is free of charge. You can still use your old uh, bank account. So my privacy is guaranteed uh, uh, to, to the extent that it was. In this scenario, there is absolutely no reason to introduce central bank digital currency which, wow, would, which okay. makes perfect sense. There, there's, mm-hmm. there's no logical reason to do it. Um, mm-hmm. What happened is I wrote several article, articles about it. I said, well, if you do this, uh, your privacy will be gone. Uh, it will be used for monetary policy transmission. Uh, and this money can be made programmable. For example, in in the account-based world, you as a person can be prohibited of spending CBDC you receive from your government. That's spending it on alcohol, for example. So if the... So and the CBDC can be earmarked for healthcare, and mm-hmm. not alcohol. But then the government is actually in control of your spending. So just and to summarize
1: I- so far, because it, it's quite technical for us. Yeah, sorry for that. <laughs> <really> for me. <laughs> no, it's okay. So what you're saying is, is that you're, you're, the Dutch uh, financial officials have actually found a system that is to your and most people's liking in terms of preserving autonomy and privacy. Yes. Except... They're, they're kind of sticking to the, and you wrote and highlighted this and are trying to promote this, but this system is is still not received the attention it ought to, or people are still looking at the other bad system, the one that allows you governments basically to control all our spending. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yes, that's it. Yeah. You're, you're still pursuing CBDC for, for no obvious reasons. And mm, okay. uh, and the, the Dutch Central Bank and the European Central Bank, they actually published articles saying uh well, CBDC. If you just have an academic discussion about it, let's let's put it mm. that way. But right now, the, the, there's quite a, a tense political debate. But a few years ago, it was actually a technical discussion. What could it? What could it look like? What what's what, what mm. kind of system is it? And then the central mm. bank issued a report and it said, well, because it is digital money, it is inherently programmable, always. Mm. So if you right. don't want money to be programmable. Mm. It it is it is like a tiger as a pet. Well, it might bite. Yeah, maybe maybe not, but <laughs> it, 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 there's mm. an inherent risk. Uh, right. And I've used it in articles, and now people, also politicians, they say, well, that's a conspiracy theory. Money, digital right. money, will never be programmable. I promise it. Um, right. And they removed their own reports. The central bank of the Netherlands, they removed their own report. They said, well, we never said this. The stupid thing is that if you go to the Wayback Machine, to, the, to their own uh, website, you can still find the old report where it says, well, digital mm. money is inherently programmable, meaning mm. that if just, you don't want programmable money, you shouldn't have CBC in the first place.
1: So, just to summarize, because we're re- I'm really basic here, you, you through your work, you've worked out there are two systems that are available for future of money. System, yes. Let's call it System A and System B. System A is basically benign, System B is bad. What Presumably, most Dutch people value their privacy. You've created a debate yes. about this in the Netherlands. Why is not public opinion pushing for your option A, the good option, and and kind of overwhelming the central bank officials and their evil motives?
0: Well, the the the, the majority of the people uh, don't really know about this, and uh, uh, I, I think one one of the issues is the quality of our media, and we, we the problem with the European Union. Is that you have a government in The Hague in the Netherlands, and you have one in Brussels. And uh, most people, most journalists, they tend to 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 go to The Hague and make their reports over there. But the real big decisions, like central bank digital currency, yes or no, these decisions are being made in Brussels. And there was a certain uh, in, in in the summer of two thousand twenty-two. There was a heat wave in July, July twelfth, uh, if I remember correctly. That there was this big press conference with a a tremendously large delegation from the European Central Bank and Commission. And uh, Mm. I was the only Dutch journalist in the room at the press conference. Actually, there was hardly anybody at all. There were Mm. as much officials in this giant room as there were journalists. Mm. Uh, uh, And I really felt embarrassed. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So
1: so let's say you you, Colin is is a canary in the coal mine of these changes. You've highlighted them perhaps earlier than other people. Uh, it, uh, this is not for our non-European audience yet, I don't think, but let's say the EU, we've got many viewers in, in Europe, in different countries, our public opinions are in silos in a way, you know, if much, for much of the time. Where can we go and what should we do to create a public opinion against this? I mean, where can we find your articles on the web somewhere? Uh, yes, I have something. We... I'll
0: uh, make sure that there's, there's more English and uh, articles. And, um what i would like to highlight is the fact that uh that it it will it will it will be coming your way it's just like santa claus and christmas it it will Mm -hmm. be heading in your direction because the 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 one of the real motives the the bigger motives for introducing this digital identity wallet where there is no use for uh is because there's money to be made with with these data Mm -hmm. uh And if you look at, I sent you this letter, but it's in Dutch, unfortunately, but I will translate it. Uh, Our own government has, uh, has formed an opinion on digital identity. And they claim to have scientific reasons why they should do so. They say, well, our economy can grow thanks to digitalization. And they're referring to a report from the World Economic Forum that says, if we create a digital identity wallet, that will make it easier for you to make payments on impulse so if you see a, an ad on, on Instagram for example a pair of new shoes that you don't actually really need if you click on it and right now it'll it'll take you about 20 seconds to switch to your banking app and at this particular time 70% of all impulse purchases uh, are being cancelled anyway and that translates mm. to a four trillion dollar loss in revenue for these big companies like Paul.com, uh, Amazon etc they are losing money because of a lack of digital identity. And they push the Dutch Dutch government to introduce digital identity wallets, which can also be used for CBDC. But if the Dutch government is being pushed into that direction by a lobby that is intransparent, I've asked for minutes of these meetings, they refuse to give it to me, it is very likely that the Australian or Canadian or the American audiences are being targeted in the same way by these lobbyists. In the end, there's well, so money to be made with di- with digital data.
1: Exactly. So Personal as I data. understand it, say I buy something on Amazon and sometimes I forget to check out, or I have second thoughts about it. That's it. It's complicated to log in and you don't do yeah, you that. You don't really but need it. it. Under this, I mean, this if you system, need it, you buy it. <laughs> exactly. Now it's like one click buy for absolutely everything and it'll come yes. out of your account. And and according to the, to the gurus and officials, that'll help us all become spenders and that'll set the global economy going, which is fine yes. maybe, but we should know about it. Well, Anna, I'd like to thank you very, very much because you've uh, opened a window on a fascinating development and that uh, I think a lot of people are not aware of. So I hope you'll keep us updated on these things and uh, your substack's available and we'll put it out there. And and we'd love to have you on uh, as a a canary again, uh, if there are any more developments, because (laughs) in these European, I've I've worked in Brussels myself, uh, the interesting things happen behind the scenes and and journalists don't cover them. So thank you very much and uh, and, uh, see you soon. Thanks, Arno. Bye. This is TNT Radio. TNT's Kate Shimarani. I'm of the the belief that your body can totally, 100% heal itself if you remove the offending things and you flood your body with what it needs. What do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake. you're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just gonna serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, chlorinated bromine water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shimarani on today's News Talk TNT.
2: The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy.
1: The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, Everywhere I can see was mud. Just
0: absolutely mud. You know, the country has been in prolonged, for drought drought so long. It was like a tinderbox box waiting to go up. Okay, very
2: heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home.
1: All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh. Uh-huh. Okay.
2: And around the world. For any animal, in any disaster so let's focus on that right be part of the solution one rescue at a time search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready
0: deconstructing psyops propaganda and mainstream media garbage Pella neroth taylor on today's news talk tnt
1: so here we've got lost who is a swede who is head of the or was head of the anti-NATO movement in Sweden? Tell us a little bit about how you feel this week now that uh, Sweden is finally joining NATO after Turkey dropped its veto.
2: You are, the, the final decision has not been taken by uh, Hungary, I think, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna take place. Uh, well, it's it's quite bad. Uh, we've been um, neutral for for uh, about two hundred years, and we've formally been uh, neutral, but in reality, we've been uh, somewhat linked to NATO I think all the time mm. uh, for for uh, sorry not all the time for for a couple of decades and and this um, has been increasing over time so mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not surprised what is going on but i'm not happy of course
1: do you think did you uh, expect until the last moment that turkey did would think, carry on delaying think, uh, Expect until the last moment
2: I thought they would uh, finally somehow, sometime, um, say yes, uh, because they are trying to pressure U.S. to get uh, uh, some um, benefits. Uh, and and uh, it's, it's more like a game, I think. But I mm-hmm. do believe that uh, what, what is coming up in the future, in the near future, is that um, uh, NATO will split up and, and uh, Turkey will actually... Um, probably leave because they they have a different basic object um, um, well interests. They 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 are not part of Europe as much as they are part of the Middle East and and uh, Asia.
1: And mm. um, what did you? I don't know if you heard the previous uh, interviewee, but he talked about. Um, uh, the idea that central bank uh, digital currency can control people's spending. So if they go into, to if they're alcoholic and they go into an alcohol shop, they are not allowed to buy alcohol. Just to take a, a very basic example, but presumably this can be this system can be reprogrammed. So if Lost Rocker goes after this interview and tries to have a meal in the restaurant, he's banned from doing so because he said some bad things about Sweden and NATO. Is that does that sort of thing worry you? No, No. not not
2: in the short run. Uh, There there are some things which which are going on today in Sweden, and that is that uh, public finance for NGOs uh, are being cut down, and then they refer to things that they think uh, that some of the people in those organizations have been pro-Putin. And and then they don't get any money, and they, this this things goes on. But I'm not afraid for my uh, you know being, being mm. imprisoned or something like that. Mm-hmm. No. What do you no, think
1: of the war scare that's going on in Sweden right now? Can you describe it to a global audience? Is it is it frightening? Are you the, worried the about it? The war scare. Uh, the, about the war, what? The, well,
0: you okay. know that. The,
2: yeah, that
1: that is, that is very serious.
2: I think it's very serious, because we had this conference uh, re- recently um, where all the important ministers that had to do, I mean, prime minister, foreign minister, uh, defense minister and so on, and the opposition leaders and, and uh, representatives of uh, government organizations that relate to these things. Everybody talked about, in a positive way, about NATO. Nobody talked Really, or spoke against NATO, and and uh, the the way the um, highest-ranking uh, military officer, we call him ÖB, um, uh, the top guys, sort or of, and all these other guys, with uh, ministers and so on, they talked about the threat from from Russia, and there is there is no military threat from Russia, and, and they yeah. are talking about we have to prepare for war now. It's really a Scaremongering thing, and it, it's really uh, ugly. I think.
1: Do you think Swedes believe this? Are they preparing for war, or do they treat it as a as a political maneuver?
2: I think it's very mixed. Some get scared, and also children get scared, so because they hear this on the news. Uh, so it it is serious, but I think most people don't take it very seriously. They probably think like things are going to be like before. So, so mm-hmm. the majority I don't think are scared, but uh, there are large groups who are scared and and they they are frightened. I mean, it's really bad. But there's mm-hmm. no reason for it. There's no threat. To, the only threat we have to Sweden is if we join NATO and have these uh, bases uh, that were have an agreement to have with United States then we will be part of a threat to Russia. And then we mm. can get in trouble uh, if there is a, la- a major um, yes. conflict coming up. Uh, but r- Sweden in itself and Russia, there's no there's no problem.
1: So it's- mm. do, do you think um, NATO is planning to use Sweden as a p- pressure point on, on, on Russia by basing aircraft here? I, I, I live in... Um, Larsel, no, near, quite near Södertälje, F7, and there, there are radio the... and helicopters. It's, uh, sorry, there are helicopter and aircraft noises all day and all night near where I live, which is in western Sweden, ah, I near I Sweden's st- top airbase. To the... Okay, oh. okay,
2: uh, if you need. Uh,
1: Okay. okay. It seems as if uh, the gremlins, yeah. who are obviously not yeah. anti-Russian, are trying to prevent. Uh, can you hear what I'm saying? Right. So I'm t- what I'm... Uh, we're having is a is a is a um, bandwidth problem. I think here with loss t- trying to get through on uh, okay. audio. Can you hear me, loss? All right. So I think that. Um, the, the loss screen has frozen and um, it's probably a complete coincidence that he was about to uh, reveal some very interesting things. No, seriously. I think that um, the, uh, w- what was interesting from uh, Lars's perspective was that uh, this uh, former, this professor, this former uh, official worked uh, all over the world and quite well connected, uh, went along to this annual uh, fair or f- whatever you could call it, uh, An event that's held every year in the Swedish Alps or the Swedish Northern uh, Mountains. And uh, in in an area which is supposed to be one of the reinforcement areas, if uh, there's ever a war, um, forces are supposed to arrive at Trondheim, I think it is, from America. And then they're going to cross over the pass and then base themselves in this county called Jämtland. I think, or I'm not so sure of the geography there, but there's there's an Alp hotel there. Which I think in the 1950s was used as um, a base for the Swedish stay behinds because there was, uh, we talked about Swedish NATO cooperation that's been going on for decades. And after the Second World War, the Brits trained uh, the Swedes to uh, be p- good partisans and uh, had arms caches all over Scandinavia. And one of the centers of this was this place in uh, ski, ski resorts where. Um, the guy held his finger in many pies, partisan-wise. And almost in honour of that, there's this large annual festivity. Uh, I should say, um, Congress, uh, at which it's called falcon Fosfor, which means people and defence, in which is supposed to be a sort of uh, a meeting place between civilians and military and anti-war and pro-war voices. But it seems in recent years, uh, anti-war voices are almost completely outnumbered. Uh, and that the government is is very partisan in favour of one side, but uh, and I was I was going to ask if loss had any um, feedback, personal experiences of what he saw and heard. Did you hear any of that, loss? Uh, are you is your connection restored? Okay, Right, I can't hear. It. I, I I don't know if the audience can hear, but I can barely hear a word what you're saying. Um, I'll carry on with this, just talking through. I mean, um. The, uh, the the what's happened in Sweden is, is interesting and although uh, I'm half Swedish and based here it's not as if I'm going to have uh, Swedes on all the time but uh, having been a, a country in a zone of peace for hundreds of years and uh, a place where you could sit back and read the headlines uh, it, about bad things happening in other parts of the world it's actually becoming uh, one of the main zones of conflict so I think it is important to make this area and find voices you could talk about what's going on here um but i think we'll we'll see if we can sort out the gremlins uh, after the break this is tnt radio
0: hey guys great news
1: news radio tnt radio news matt boyland here with a quick look at your tnt headlines tensions over border security are threatening to explode in the us as red state governors start mobilizing support behind the state of texas UN chief Antonio Guterres has hit out at Israel, calling its rejection of a two-state solution unacceptable. And Hungary has announced it's ready to ratify Sweden's NATO membership. It comes after Turkish lawmakers voted to approve the country's accession on Tuesday.
2: The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then dinner
1: time feast on the captivating stories videos and helpful information on our website
2: oh dinner's ready
1: oh man escape is futile just one more video get stuck in our web tntradio.live so we're back from uh, our interview with lost walker who seems to have uh, disappeared um the i wanted to talk about nato uh, as well because we there's, there's no common European opinion space uh, where the uh, efforts of, uh, if you like, from our perspective, the warmongers uh, can be held to account. I mean, it's it's a good and a bad thing because we wouldn't want a sort of a European Union where we're all the same and we all have to read the same dull newspapers. Uh, but I think there's a sense that uh, the public opinions in Europe are kind of being overwhelmed by a very particular narrative And um, I think what you, you can feel quite lonely sometimes. I think that uh, Lost Rocker was basically having to uh, publish his stuff on a substack. And uh, what we're seeing with uh, Arno Velen is also a very successful journalist um, with issues that are relevant to all of us, actually. Um, And what a website, what our organization can do, TNT is a global tv and radio station and we're dedicated to telling the truth to a, a global audience and we are not beholden to these national elites is sort of bring together perspectives and that we can collaborate and combine and find out what's really going on in europe um because uh, the um as i said last week lost uh, 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 with sweden and its nato uh conference i think that uh, there, there's an, a minority in the Swedish military who probably since childhood fantasized about the, the, the single enemy, and they went through the military in their the teens and then in their 40s and 50s. And it's almost a, it's a nightmare come true, uh, but that's only their perspective. And I think they've quite successfully managed to persuade quite a lot of people in the Swedish uh, military uh, political space. And one thing I really want to talk about. Uh, is for for future reference the extent to which uh, people in journalism and politics are are pressurized and we need to talk about this more openly because i mean some people said we we have a uniquely incompetent elite who never raise issues uh with who don't seem to follow the democratic will whether it's immigration or climate change or uh, the escalation to war but i mean we're living in a in a cyberspace where uh if it, it, even um even tucker Carlson, for instance couldn't have his signal conversation with russian officials secret because he was he's uh this most secret way of communicating which is a is an app that is much better than whatsapp or, or facebook uh, it had it simply hacked or been uh, had a back window on it by the intelligence agencies now that is to stop uh, him from talking to the russians but you could also say well you could find out secrets if somebody's having an affair or somebody's doing has some embarrassing photographs out there and i'm just wondering if every single politician in in europe and every single journalist has all these holds on him and i think that uh, tnt is a place maybe where we can open up the space and have perhaps a little bit more honest discussion about what's going on in europe this is uh, pelin taylor tnt radio thank you